And welcome back, everyone, to the Chamber of Secret Books podcast with your host, Cameron. <laughs> Me. How we all been? How you doing? Everyone all right? I thought that maybe we should open up with some bookish news like before we start. I know people do some chit-chatting before the start of an episode and I want to be like everyone else. But before we do that, let's do this, okay? I feel like this will be my tradition at the start of every episode now. So here we go. And three, two, one. <laughs> it never gets old. Today's drink of choice is a LaCroix lemon flavored. Let's do a little sippy sippy. Trigger warning if you don't like, like drink mouth ASMR. <sighs> Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Okay. So bookish news of the day. I don't have any. <laughs> I should have prepared something. But I will say fourth wing is blowing up the world, the nation, the universe. Have we all seen this book? It's going bonkers. I was lucky enough to receive an arc of it. And I'm not going to, I'm going to be honest with you. I judged a book by its cover and I said, no. I won't be reading that anytime soon. I said that. And then I was proven so wrong that of course you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Maybe if I flipped the book over it and just read one line of the summary, I would have known that I liked it, but no, I'm a stupid bitch. So I didn't. Fourth wing, hearing it's the new Akatar, and that those are big boots to fill. I mean, that's the reason why we're all here, isn't it? The foundation of book talk is Akatar. It's Sarah J. Moss. You know, how we feel about that, you know, it's up to the person. <clears throat> There's not going to be any drama or controversy on this pod. But, you know, you do your research about authors and you come up with your own conclusions. But I will say... That's how we, at least for me and everyone that I'm mutuals with, that's how we first got into reading during COVID, you know? It was A Court of Thorns and Roses. That series took over the world. And now we have this new book coming in hot and sold out everywhere. You cannot get a copy of this book no matter how hard you try. There are people selling Fourth Wing for $150. And there are people buying it. It's saying sold out, even on those like third-party websites. That's how much the world wants this book. And if you don't know a lot about me, uh, I work at a company called Fable, which is an app for starting your own book club. So I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by books all the time and know the latest trends, which is cool. And we are an e-reader platform. So if you can't get the physical copy, you can get it on Fable. And with the code, sorry, I'm not sponsored. This is literally just my day job. Uh, with the code DRAGON, you can get $5 off the ebook. Yeah, because we were like, Jesus, like everyone and their entire family and clan are is reading this book like we need to tell people that you can just read it on fable for now i get it physical copies will always be superior but in the meantime people if you want to read it just come over to fable and you can annotate and you can start your own book club and you can tab virtually you've never heard anything like it i love fable I have my own book club on Fable. Wow. <laughs> Sip, in that whole spiel, how many minutes was that? Did I once explain what Fourth Wing was about? No. It's high fantasy. I've heard it described as 
Divergent combined with Hunger Games combined with Akatar combined with Dragons Game of Thrones. So it's a more adult Hunger Games, I think. And they ride dragons. So if that tickles your fancy, then I would suggest reading it. I started reading it and immediately... It's been a while since I've read a fantasy book, but this drew me in immediately. It has it had all like the tropes that I love, the cliche tropes of, you know, everyone underestimating her and she's fragile and she's innocent, but she's got a fiery inside that's just going to explode. And I read about 50 pages. There already was a stay away from Xander. His name is Xander. And you know, anyone named Xander is going to be the hottest person you've ever seen in your entire life. Thank you so much. Xander is out there. I am single. Okay. Anyways, is Xander, like, I have never met anyone actually named Xander. Or, like, anyone named with the letter X as the first letter. No one wants to hear what I have to say about names. Okay, so that's the bookish news of the day, but let's get into what today's episode is going to be about, and that is writing. I asked you all on Instagram what you would like to see in future episodes of this podcast, and a lot of you were curious about the book that I'm writing, writing in general, how to get started, and you know what? I am not qualified to teach anything to anyone, but... I did, hold the applause, just finish my first manuscript of my book. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. I couldn't have done it without you. And that's serious. That's legitimate because I was writing my book as just a silly little stupid hobby on the side. I would write one page every three weeks. And then TikTok stuff started happening. People were like, you know, when are you writing your own book? And I was like, oh, shoot. Let me dust off the cobwebs of my computer and uh, get typing. So really couldn't have done it without all y'all. That being said, I by no means wrote this book correctly. And do I believe that there's a correct way to write a book? Yes and no. I have varying opinions because I was struggling towards the end. I'm going to be open with you all. It was hard towards the end because I didn't do it the way that I know my friends write books who are just popping out books like, God, you see, I can't even think of a funny metaphor. They're popping out books. And I was lucky enough to, you know, be able to ask around and say, how do you do this so quickly? How do you manage to not lose your actual mind? And I was given some sage advice, which I will tell you all about today. First, let's talk about my writing process. This is what I did. I had an idea in my head, okay? I knew I wanted it to take place in Italy because that's where my family's from. Obviously, it's going to be a romance, most deaf. And I knew I went in knowing kind of what the ending was going to be. I knew I wanted this juicy drama. And that's all I went in with. And then I just started writing. And you will feel the toll of doing that. And reading back, you will see how sparse it is. And you'll feel bad about yourself. I'm not going to lie. But thus is the writing process. I have learned that your first draft means nothing. Know that. That does not matter, the first draft. You are not trying to be Fitzgerald 
or Baldwin or Morrison. Like, don't think that they got it right on the first try. At least I'm hoping, I'm hoping. It takes a lot of rounds of editing. And actually I know Toni Morrison actually publicly said she couldn't have done anything without her editor because editors and editing in general is so important. I didn't think about editing at all when I first started writing. I thought if I don't get it right the first time, that's it. I'm, I'm the worst writer ever to exist. But boy, was I wrong. So that's how I went into it. You know, it makes the editing process now, I'm I'm sort of revising the manuscript. I'm on the second second revision. I'm probably doing more than other authors who took the time to really outline their stories first before diving into the book. But like I said, I started this a weird way. You know, this was just something for my eyes only. And um, I, I never knew. I, w I didn't even think I would finish it. I've tried to write so many books in the past. And I mean, I stop at page 20, page 50, you know, I've got so many failed attempts that I was like, I'm not going to finish this. But lo and behold, here we are. Here we are in 2023. It took me, drum roll please, three years to write this manuscript, which feels like forever. Like I said, my friends, they're popping them out once a year. I have Haley Dennings, who is... You will all know who she is soon because her book is um, going to be published, I think, in fall 2024. She is writing three books at once. At once. And it's doable because of what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> Was that good clickbait? Um, I, I do think so. Sip. Hold on. First thing that I recommend before anything is you have to outline and how you outline I'd say to start off if this is your first book you're writing it's kind of coming up with the three-act story structure that's sort of the most simple most basic way to write a book it's kind of even the movies we watch we're, we're used to this three-act story structure so act one is the setup it's the inciting incident the plot point one you know you're building things up act one okay act two is when you have the big shebang shebang the big secret comes out okay he's cheating she's cheating he has a secret life underground he is immortal things like that and then act three is the resolution, the pre-climax, climax, and conclusion, which makes sense because in my book personally, the climax of the book is at the end. Um, and act two is definitely building up to that secret. Like, you know something's about to go down. That's how I would describe act two. You know something's about to go down. Either it's too good, they're too happy, and you're like, shoot. Mm -mm -mm. I feel like act two for romance books it can a lot of the times be the montage scene you know when they just condense all their happy memories and moments into 30 seconds and then you're like shoot my god what's gonna happen and then boom it happens and then we deal with it we gotta deal with the climax what just happened will it be okay how will this conclude and then it's over so i think naturally in your head you'll be able to think of a three act story structure i think that's how we think now for series i applaud people who write series so much because i have no idea how you all are doing it i mean 
what the hell? You have to remember to leave so many Easter eggs, you know, in book one that will then pose as issues in maybe book three, book four. And it's so much planning. And that's what I never realized about writing is how much of it is just the planning stage and the sitting with yourself and thinking. And also the research that goes into making believable characters. My book takes place in Italy. And while I thought I had a firm grasp on Italy just because my family's from there and I've been there a few times, when you have to describe the scenery and the landscape and you want it to be realistic and you want people to feel like they are in Italy during the summer, you can't just pull things out of thin air, you know? Like, you gotta research. Even if researching is just... You know, looking at photos of the town that you're, if it's placed in, looking at YouTube videos. There's a museum in my book that I talk about a lot. I thought I knew this museum and then I tried to write about it and I knew nothing, absolutely nothing. So writing is humbling. It's humbling. It's interesting because I learned a lot from writing things I thought I knew about, which is cool. Also, this is the time to buy yourself a notebook, buy yourself a cute pen, buy yourself some highlighters, and get planning. It's more fun if you romanticize editing and outlining. You won't be as eager to jump into the writing, I think, if you have a cool setup, at least for me. I love stationery. So anytime I get an excuse to buy a new pen or pencil or, or notebook, you bet your bottom dollar that I'm doing it. So that's what I did, and I started planning it out. And then after I did that, I knew I had gone into the book knowing that there were a few scenes that I really wanted in it. A few tropes, whether they're tropes or just scenes that you know will be important to the book. So I then decided, hmm, okay, which part of the book is this moment going to fall in that it makes sense? That's what I did. Because I really only had a few scenes in mind that inspired me to even start writing my book. So that's what I would say. To take it a step further, the writers that I know, they actually plan each chapter out. They know how many chapters are going to be by the end of the book, which is in like, that's a whole other level of planning. But I guess it makes sense because if you know each scene of the book, it's just going to help you so much when you're writing. I think that's why it took me so long to finish it was because I had no idea where the book would go next, like depending on what mood I was in that day. And I think if you really sit down and just plan it out, it'll be beneficial for you in the long run. After you have outlined your book and you're happy with it in your cute little notebook with your pens and pencils, now it's time to think about your characters. Here's another reason I messed up insanely. I of course thought about my main two characters. It's a romance. No one's surprised. I thought about him. I thought about her. I thought briefly about their backstory. I knew, you know, they both went to Ivy League schools. I thought about that. But then I knew nothing about the workings of Yale University. My only understanding of Yale is through Gilmore Girls and Lee Bardugo's Ninth House. That's the only Yale I know. So then I was like, ooh, I feel silly. If anyone from Yale reads my book, they're going to be like, this is BS, which is annoying which is annoying. And listen, where I'm at in my book right now, I think they're still gonna say that because 
I found one library reference and I said, okay, he's studying at that library. Do I know if you can study at that library? I, I, uh, no, but he is. He, he is. He is. So I would really say you got to go in depth with your characters. You need to know their age, their location, pre, post, the big event. You need to know where they were the last three years, okay? What did they eat for dinner last night? What's their favorite food? What's their least favorite food? What's their favorite book? You need to become best friends with these people that you're writing about. That's the only way they're gonna come across as believable people. The only way people are gonna feel a connection is if they're actually full-formed people. I mean, I didn't make the rules. You know what I mean? You need to know their goals, their hobbies. Were they ever in love? You know? What's their relationship like with their parents? Where did they grow up? Did that affect them? <sighs> Guys, I feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm a creative writing professor right now. I'm looking, like I'm in front of a mirror when I'm recording and I'm just looking at myself and I'm feeling very professor-esque. Like, listen to me rawr. My next tip, coincidentally, is where you should write your book. I was very much just writing it on pages on my computer, and then I transitioned to Google Docs, and that was going fine for a while. Most of my book was written on Google Docs, and then I was like, I can't imagine authors writing their New York Times best-selling books on Google Docs, so I asked around, as I do, my literary agent, which is crazy that I have one, I was told that Scrivener is an app that you can download and it's sort of like uh, the mecca of writing utensils. It has a lot of features that I still have no idea how to use. If anyone has any advice, like if you have advice on how to use Scrivener, please let me know because I'm like, all I know is how to write, how to change the font, and then how to compile everything at the end to export it. But I see all the buttons on the side and it does cost about $50 to buy. But I think once I get the hang of it, it'll be worth it. One of the prompts on Scrivener is the character pages and it tells you, let's pull it up right now. On the character pages, it asks for their age, their location, their role in the story, their goal, their physical description, personality, occupation, habits, mannerisms, mannerisms. Like I didn't consciously go into writing my book thinking about that, but I wish I had. If you notice that one of your characters is constantly like picking at um, like a rubber band on their wrist or something when they're nervous, that's a way to indicate an emotion without having to spell it out for anyone, which is so important. And I think that's what separates, you know, good writing from maybe more elementary writing. That felt very snotty to say. I'm not going to lie, but I'm going to go with it. Their background, internal conflicts and external conflicts. And yeah, that's about it. And then, of course, I sort of had a better understanding of all those aspects of my main two homies, my main two folks in love. But I was not thinking about this for any side character at all. So that was something that when I read back my first manuscript, I really noticed because everyone else was so flat. You don't want these 
other side characters to feel like their only purpose is to support the main characters. You want them to have lives of their own. You want it to feel realistic. And unfortunately, how you do that is you just really got to think. You got to think deep in the confines of your gray mush and know who each one of these people are. You have to love each one of your characters, even if they're the villain. You know what I mean? You got to make sure that each person has redeemable qualities because I feel like in real life, that's what's realistic. You know, no one is completely one thing. I struggled with that totally because at first my villain was just like, oh, evil, bad, wrong. And then reading it back, I was like, geez, Louise, of course, of who, who would ever like to talk to this person? And then I'm like, but somehow everyone likes this popular person. It doesn't make sense, you know? So then I had to dig deeper and be like, why do they like that person? What can they turn on? What can they turn off? Yada, yada, yada. So that's another thing I think is really important. So now we've talked a lot about the book that I have written, which feels so crazy to say. <laughs> I can't believe I wrote a book. Uh, if anyone will ever see it, that's a different question. But... I was proud of myself when I finished writing it. It did feel like a big accomplishment. And I really do hope everyone will be able to read it. Only if they have nice things to say. But I am flirting with a new book idea. And I was debating. And actually, I would love your opinion on what I should go with. And they're vastly different, okay? First of all, both romances. That's their similarity. And that's where it ends. Second, actually, I lie. Second similarity is that they both just know, let me set the record straight right now, that the main man in whichever happens will be a version of Pedro Pascal. Know that he was deeply ingrained in the, in the birth of this character. Just know that, okay? I might name him Pecto Pascal, okay? But you and I, you and I will know that deep down it was Pedro Pascal. Mm. Mm, mm. Yeah, I'm writing a fan fiction. Yeah, I'm writing a fan fiction. What are you going to do about it? You're going to read it. Because who wouldn't want to read a romance about Pedro Pascal? <laughs> I get giddy. I'm giddy just thinking about it. Oh, my God. I'm like lit. I'm, oh, my God. I looked up. I'm actually blushing. Guys, it's bad. I've calculated. He is my longest hyperfixation. I've ever had besides Harry Styles which has been present but dormant in the back of my mind for you know the past 10 years and sad to say it's finally dying down he has been at the forefront of my mind for the past mm, since like February February March April May oh my god like six months that's the law I swear to god that's the longest I've ever ever had an obsession with a celebrity and it's not dying down anytime soon. So my next book, well, he'll be at the, at the you know, he's the main guy, okay? He's the one pulling the movies, the one flirting. <laughs> but I either want to do a chef romance because the show The Bear, I'm obsessed with it. And um, one of my favorite YouTubers, Doobie Doobop. Doobie Doobop. She and her... 
her boyfriend, they opened up a restaurant together and him chefing is so hot. So like, I think there needs to be a chef romance book out there in the world starring Pedro Pascal. And I'm willing, I'm willing to use my bare hands to write it. I'm willing to be the scapegoat. I'm willing to sacrifice my time and effort in order to create this thing that I know we all need. So that's one option. And judging by how annoying I just got, I would say that that's the number one option. <laughs> I, I, I would say that. I would, I would say that. But the other option was a historical romance because I would like to challenge myself to really get down and dirty with some research, really immerse myself into a culture that I know nothing about and be able to bring it to life in fiction. I think that's so cool. I think of Outlander, obviously, who the author of Outlander, first of all, if you haven't read it, oh my God, it's so good. She had never even stepped foot in Scotland. And I think she was like a biology professor and she literally wrote Outlander to like see if she could do it. She's like, let me see if I can make like a Scottish history romance believable. And she ended up just changing the course of mankind, in my humble opinion. So I think that's really impressive. And I do like history. So I was thinking like the Medici family could be interesting, um, something like that. Obviously still Pedro Pascal is the main guy, but in the 1500s, you see what I'm saying? Uh, so those are my two, this one I didn't really form in my head too much. I just knew I wanted it to be something historical, but those are the two options for my own book. Tee hee hee, tee hee hee. The last tip I have is to read everything. I know that every writer says this, read everything, read everything. And I was like, shut up, all of you. You're just good writers. That's what it all comes down to, whether I read things or not. How I write is how I write. Boy, oh boy, was I wrong. I was just disgustingly wrong. For a while, I was like, I don't even have time to read. I'm not gonna pick up a book. So for a few weeks, I didn't pick up one book. And I was writing, I was writing, I was writing, and then I would read it back. I'm like, man, oh man, this is so bland. This is so stupid. Who's gonna wanna, who's gonna wanna hear these childish sentences? Not I, not I. So then I was struggling with inspiration of what to write about. So I was like, you know what? Let me, let me pick up a romance book. Let me do some reading. I need to wind down and forget about my story for a sec. So I did, and I started reading Seven Days in June, as we talked about in the last podcast. And the second, the second I started reading that, it just, it changes everything. You suddenly are just filled with inspiration and, and you pay attention to details about your own characters because... I remember one like little mundane sentence in seven days of June was like, she slammed the floral teacup on the white dusty table. Think about that. What a visual you get from that one little sentence. And then I read back some of the things I was writing. I was writing, he took a sip of the water. There's no, there's no description in that. There's no world building. That's gross. And I was inspired to go back and edit my things and really pay attention to the details that will allow people to 
imagine this book in their head. Like, it's crazy what I was doing. So I really do suggest reading everything. And if you are inspired by certain things, obviously we're not copying anyone. I have a note section of, of quotes and moments and scenes from books and movies that inspired me. And I always, I look back and like, okay, how can I incorporate this in a way that's individual? Like individual to me, uh, my version of it. So I really appreciate writers saying to read everything because it's so true. It's so bloody true. I am a huge music listener while writing. I cannot write without music. Like it has to be one song only on repeat for hours at a time. I can't have an album playing. Maybe I could have the Punisher album by Phoebe Bridgers playing because I know that one so well, but it has to be one's that I know and like I won't get distracted by the lyrics. So lately my songs of choice have been Motel 6 by River Wireless and obviously the Punisher album. I think my favorite songs off the Punisher album to write to are Punisher or Savior Complex or Moon Song. But really the main song has been Need To by Pine Grove. It's a short song, but it's delicious. It's a perfect writing song. Also, another writing song is the the one on TikTok. I found it. La Serai des Smots by Patrick Watson. Um, that's another one when I want something real sad. I just think it puts you in a headspace. I've never written uh, a happy scene, so I don't listen to happy music, but um, those are my sad song wrecks. I also will sometimes listen to ASMR while writing. I heard that Phoebe Bridgers did that while writing, and I think she is my favorite lyricist besides my sister. Julia Wolf of all time. So I did it. And she's right. It, it kind of it gets you in this like foggy mind space where you're not overthinking. If you're an anxious person like I am and you're just like nervous about your sentences and what they sound like, it just makes everything a little like, ooh, loofy goofy. And um, I think you're, you would take more risks with some ASMR in the background. Those are my tips, I think. I think I'm going to end it here, guys. That's, that's all she wrote. I would say... At the end of the day, it's what works for you. If you don't want to plan anything and you just want to start writing, goddamn do it. Do it. Like, that's fine. There's no correct way to do anything. There's no schedule you have to follow. You don't have to write for a certain amount of hours every day. Like F. Scott Fitzgerald says that you have to write 30 minutes a day at least. Do I believe that? No, F. Scott. Get out of here. Don't tell me what to do. But for a long time, I did, and I, I tried to do that. But... We all have our own brains and it works differently for all of us. So I would say just start, just start and just keep reading. That's it for this week's episode. And I can't wait to chat with you all soon. DM me any suggestions, any ideas that you have for uh, future podcast episodes, any people you'd like me to interview, please DM me. You can find me on Instagram at the Chamber of Secret Books, on TikTok at chamber of secret books and that's it yeah i was thinking if i have any other platforms but that's pretty much it and um i love you all lots ciao ciao
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.